Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Megla Bhardwaj, and today I've got a guest who's going to be talking about how he was able to sell his private label business for six figures. Very interesting story, and we're going to learn a lot about how you can develop a private label brand to sell it. But before we get into talking to Peter, I want to remind everyone, if you want to join our Facebook group, search for the Asian seller on Facebook, join our group to stay um, updated on what's happening. We're we're thinking of organizing some events in Singapore pretty, pretty soon. We always do meetups. So join our Facebook group to stay updated with what's happening. All right, let me introduce Peter Luxenberg now. Hi, Peter, how are you doing? Hi, Megla. I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. Cool. It's, it's really nice uh, that you could join us. So um, we met a couple of years ago in, uh, at Global Sources Summit, and uh, you've been attending the summit a couple of times, and you even presented at the, at the previous summit. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you start uh, selling on Amazon? And you know, when did you start? And what else do you currently do? Yeah, sure. Um, I live in Hong Kong with my family and been doing so for the past seven years. I'm originally from Sweden, and I started selling online in 2014 when I was living, um, well, when I was living in Hong Kong. And the reason I started selling on Amazon, oh, online on Amazon was um, basically I came across an old university friend who had been traveling around the world and uh, we bumped into each other in Shenzhen, where I was currently living then in 2012. So it took me, as you can understand, almost two years to be convinced to start an online business. But I, I watched my friend, and um, he uh, was had been selling on Amazon for, for two years, and uh, he introduced the whole thing to me. And uh, eventually I started in 2014. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the business that you sold. Um, so when did you start this specific business and you know, how and why did you decide to sell it? Yeah, so I started to sell various products for about six months before I came to the conclusion that I should focus on, on one category. Uh, so um, in 2015, I fully focused on the kitchen category and created a brand which was specialized in... Uh, bar accessories and uh, that made the whole thing easier because when I was sourcing I could source it to from existing factories and I knew what to watch at when I was at the exhibitions and I did so for about three years and I attended one of the global sources summit in Hong Kong where a broker who was specialized in selling online businesses had a presentation and I got curious, we started talking afterwards, and it ended up me um, doing a due diligence on my own business, basically filling out the questionnaire that they had, filling it in with numbers and all the, the information that I had about my business. And he came back to me after a month and said, if you are interested in selling this business, this is the number you can expect. So I said, wow, that's, that's good. Uh, and at that time during those three years selling on Amazon me and my wife we, we got uh, two little babies and situation in Hong Kong got a little bit different I had to move my office out of the house uh, to a, a, an office uh, downtown 
and um, yeah, yeah, the circumstances change. So I told the broker at that point that if you find a buyer for this number that you are now saying, I'm interested in taking a, a serious look at it to sell it. And um, it went on 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 their website, uh, got listed on their website in. Um, end of 2017 and eventually I sold it in 2018. Okay, so it took less than a year to oh, get it, it took, find a buyer? Uh, took, once it was listed, it took about four months uh, to find a buyer. And during that four months, I had a few interviews or uh, different prospects. Actually, I had two uh, sharp bids, which I turned down. I didn't think was worth it. And my mind was almost set on, ah, Maybe I shouldn't sell it. Maybe I should just continue because I know how this works and I can continue. So, but that at that point, uh, a serious bid came came in, and I said, "Okay, let's let's do this." Okay. So, did you sell your Amazon account as such, or did you just sell one brand? And you know, what do people usually do? Is it possible to sell uh, either the account or a brand, or is it one or the other? So basically, I I, um, I had a brand um, which my company in Hong Kong owned, um, and I think the the value of the brand and the value of the whole the whole business I had was actually the Amazon account in the U.S. So the buyers, what they were looking at, was maybe not so much the brand itself, but actually the the relationship that the accountant built with with Amazon, so it had, it was a very good standing, had never been suspended, had good seller feedback, and the wide range of products that I had under the brand name uh, had good product reviews. So what I did also my my I also had a European account, which is a little bit more complicated when you want to sell it. The US account you can switch the the owner uh, credentials in the back end, while in Europe, you can't do that because the company has a specific VAT number assigned to it. So the buyer had to set up his own account and kind of do a listing transfer. Um, but to coming back to your question, I, I sold the brand with its Amazon account in the US and all the brand assets that were belonging to it. So the website, the social media accounts, all the supplier connections and everything. Okay, so I guess it was cleaner for you because you had one brand in one account. So what if somebody has multiple brands under one account? Is that still possible to do? Or can you sell a brand but not the account? Yes, definitely you can do that. Uh, depends a little bit on the buyer, what he expects and wants to have. Uh, my buyer, my particular case, he didn't have a Amazon account. So he wanted to get into the e-commerce and Amazon business without ending the time himself. So he wanted to kind of take over a seasoned account. But if somebody wants to just buy a brand and they already have an account, then basically it's a brand asset transfer. And the only thing they will do is take over the listings and from, from the seller's, seller account to their own buyer account. Okay, that makes sense. So how did you choose the product category? So you were into um, bar accessories, right? That was your category. Correct. Yeah. So uh, for the first six months, I tried various products and the products 
that I chose then was a price that I found on exhibitions here in Hong Kong and on Canton Fair. So I browsed around the alleys of the of the fairs and I I, I knew what was on Amazon and what I saw on on in the booths and the stands and I kind of looked them up online and and, and tried them out. And um, my very first product was a very, very simple product, which was um, something that I just made a diff different co color combination of and a new bundle. And it started taking off very quickly. And um, eventually I started to source online. And um, when I realized that the language was a little bit difficult in some cases, I hired an assistant in China uh, who was working full time for me. And uh, she started started sourcing products within the kitchen and, and bar accessories category. Okay, so you source the product uh, or your products mostly at trade shows. Is that correct? Yes, in the beginning, of course, I did that. That was the easiest way to kind of see the product up live, touch it, and talk to the suppliers, get a, get an understanding on the spot about the pricing and the lead times, etc. So that was, uh, that was a good way of starting off. Okay. And do you, did you use any tools to check for demand on Amazon, like Helium 10? I don't know, three years ago? Did, was, was Helium 10 still there? Yeah, I guess. No, uh, no it was. I started, it was the, the manual way of searching for things. Okay. And kind of looking at the demand, looking at the bestseller ranking, watching competitors see how their inventory levels move by the triple nine trick. And, uh, but nowadays the software is so good. I use both Helium 10 and Jungle Scout, preferably Helium 10. Though. Okay. So if someone is starting out today with a brand and, uh, you know, with the intention of selling it down the road, what do you think are some of the must haves uh, for their brand and their Amazon account and, you know, the whole, the way that the business is structured? I think it's very important that you want, if you want to sell the brand, if you have the intention of selling the brand or the account, it's important to stick by the rules. I mean, the rules that Amazon set up um, refer to as uh, you should go white hat or black hat tactics. Uh, I was in it and I am in it for the long run and uh, I try to avoid all kind of shortcuts. So a buyer and a broker will easily spot if you have been doing some manipulation for reviews or sales. So I think it's important to decide which, which way you want to go. Uh, other things are, of course, to have a good standing with Amazon. Uh, make sure that you'll get good feedback, take care of the customers, good product reviews. And outside of Amazon, I think other brand assets are important. Social media accounts that are uh, brand-specific. Make sure that the trademark is registered as soon as possible, not only for, for the purpose of selling it, but also for, for protecting you on the Amazon platform and also from the Chinese uh, manufacturers who, who might uh, want to mess up your shipments out of China. So uh, trademarks. I registered personally trademark in the US, in Hong Kong, in China, and in Europe. That might be a little bit over the top, but uh, it was something that was looked at uh, by the buyer. To, to He felt very safe that those trademarks were protected. Okay. And then in terms of company structure or accounting and bookkeeping, is there anything that uh, sellers need to keep in mind? 
Yes, I mean, it depends a little bit on where they have their business registered, uh, of course, and, and the, how good they are at figures and, and numbers themselves. Myself, I was very lucky. I, I know um, accountants here in Hong Kong who had helped me from the beginning. I'm a mechanical engineer, so I, I'm not a number guy in terms of uh, keeping track on, on expenses or incomes and so I mean, I can... I can print it and pass it on, which in my case I did. Uh, I didn't sell my company, so it was a little bit different. This buyer, in my specific case, didn't look at the company. They're looking at how much the business on Amazon was generated, how much expenses was uh, connected to that. So I could have done, we could done, do the due diligence outside of the actual company and bookkeeping uh, world. Okay, so you said that they're looking at uh, reviews and um, you know how your account uh, um, stands with Amazon. Are they also looking at profitability? Definitely. I mean, um, when I filled in this questionnaire with the broker, of course, there were reports had to be submitted which showed how much money the business had brought in and how much was spent on advertising, how much was spent on product cost, on logistic cost, other costs associated running business, like what software those costs, everything that was like, what is required and what does it cost to run this actual business? So at the end, you could see the profitability, profitability on a monthly basis, tracking back 12 months. And that was essentially what was making up the basis of the sales price. Okay. So what was your, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your profit at that time? I mean, in, in terms of percentage? I was doing uh, just above 10,000 US dollars a month in net profit after all expenses paid. Okay. And in terms of percentage, how much, how much was that? Uh, that was about um, 25, 25%. That margin. Okay, so that's pretty good. So 20, 25%. So I guess what's important for sellers to note is that um, you want to make sure that one, your business is profitable and you know all your numbers because when you do put your business up for sale or your account up for sale, you're going to have to show everything in detail, how much you're spending on tools and uh, how much you're sourcing your products for and all of the numbers need to be very clearly laid out. So I think many times what happens is that, uh, you know, sellers, they, they, they sell products, but they don't really, they're not very cautious about um, a bookkeeping or, or tracking all of their expenses and, and profitability. So this is, I think, really important and something that people need to keep in mind if they have the intention of selling the business. So in your experience, you know, what product categories are more likely to be bought? Um, yeah, I, I do think that products with lower risk, let's say that they don't involve electronics or things that could malfunction at the consumer's home or be harm, risk of being harmful or has to do anything with babies or anything that you put in your, your body. So I, I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think that it's easier to sell something that is home, uh, garden, outdoor, barbecue, whatever, uh, as long as it doesn't uh, have a risk of hurting somebody. So. Okay. 
What about things like apparel or, you know, footwear? Are those businesses good too? Because the one challenge with those businesses is that, you know, the return rate is pretty high and you've got a lot, have a lot of inventory because you've got to stock all of the different sizes. So I guess that would be a challenge too, right? Yes. At the same time, there's a lot of money to make uh, out of footwear and apparel. So if you do it right, you can, you can definitely have a very profitable business. I know people doing that. And yes, they struggle with some baby uh, diseases in the beginning, but they learn as, as they go. And uh, they're doing very good today. Okay, cool. So how is the sale price determined? Is it uh, usually based on, on the average monthly profit or how is it done? Yeah, the, the core is um, in this. I think different brokers have different methods and depending on how long the business has been up and running. But if you have a long track record, which I had, then the standard was uh, looking back 12 months and calculating the average monthly profit over the course of those 12 months. So that means also that every month the sales price was updated to be the latest 12 months. So they could also, some buyers didn't just jump on the list and say, I want to buy it. They were actually sitting on the sideline watching it for a few months to see the trends. So you could see if the, the selling part, the seller had an upwards trend or a downwards trend, which would give them different uh, negotiation opportunities. My business was going an upward trend, so it caught more and more attention at the longer it stayed online. Okay. And uh, other aspects, of course, is uh, what other brand assets are associated with this uh, with this brand, like social media, how many followers do you have on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, YouTube videos, how many influencers maybe have posted things that are related to your brand, all these kind of things, as well as uh, maybe off Amazon sales channels, which I had a own e-commerce store, which they felt that is good. In case Amazon shuts down your account, you still have a sales channel where you can uh, channel out your products. Okay, that's interesting. So I guess these are the things that people can do to increase the value of their business, make sure that they have uh, you know, all of the social media channels, um, influencer marketing, um, their own website, maybe selling on eBay or other marketplaces, Walmart. Um, exactly. as well um, okay yeah diversifying the sales channels and not putting all eggs in one basket uh, one thing I did which many are doing is also setting up Amazon accounts on different marketplaces I had also in Europe so my products were available in Europe in the UK Germany France Italy and Spain which is very easy to do as long as you know how to register with the, with the corresponding authorities but there are uh, services and companies that can help you with that so Although Europe is a much smaller market than, than the US, it's still a very interesting market for the future, especially markets like Germany and UK. Yeah, absolutely. And another market is India, Amazon India, that's growing very fast now. It is a bit difficult to start selling on Amazon India because you need to have um, your own company in India. And, you, and in order to have your own company, you need to have a local partner. But again, there are companies that will help you do that. But uh, yeah, it's a very fast-growing market, fast-growing uh, middle class. 
uh, mobile shopping is uh, increasing at a very fast rate. So again, something to consider if you do have an Amazon business, you can easily diversify to India and that will, of course, increase the value of the overall business. So coming back to the sale price, um, what are the multiples of uh, profitability that are taken into account? Is it like, you know, 5x, 3x of profitability? And how is that multiple determined? Yeah, it's it's um, it's the broker who kind of look at everything from from objectively, and uh, he suggests a multiple, and that multiple is usually for online businesses up to forty, fifty times the month, monthly average profit. So it's not the traditional like you talk two, three, four x of the yearly annual profit. In these cases, because the businesses are probably much newer and don't have so much sales history, they're talking about the multiple of 30, 40 times the monthly average profit. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> no, so, actually, if you recalculate it, it's, it means two and a half, three times the annual profit. Correct, Just correct. Sounds much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. So what are uh, the types of companies that are, you know, buying Amazon businesses? Like who are these companies and how to connect with them? I know you used Empire Flippers, right? That was the broker that you used. So are the, like, first of all, who are these buyers who are buying these Amazon businesses? They are all kinds. I could be people that decided to jump off the corporate world and, and uh, spend time online or have a what they would think a passive income, which Amazon is not. We all know that today. It requires hard work. Uh, there are uh, multinational companies who desire to kind of, okay, let's go in and acquire a bunch of Amazon uh, businesses and get into the game. Uh, and uh, entrepreneurs that maybe done an exit themselves and wants to jump back right in and, and buy a business. So I, you could either go through the broker uh, like you mentioned, I used Empire Flippers. I would suggest uh, look around because the commissions um, the brokers are taking are different. And there are several brokers nowadays. Uh, you can get a better commission probably if you, if you negotiate with them. And um, they will help you find the buyers. And um, you can always decide not to sell even though you have an offer on the table. So it's an interesting journey, whether you sell it or not. You learn a lot about your own business and also eventually how to do if you want to sell it. So in terms of the commission, how much do these brokers charge? It varies depending on the size of the business. I think they start at 5-7% for larger businesses and go all the way up to 15% for many smaller businesses. Okay. Sounds sounds a lot. Fifteen percent. If you look at traditional, uh, like if you sell an apartment through a broker, it's not fifteen percent. It's like a few percent, right? But in in online businesses, it's kind of a new uh, thing. At least been a few years back. So I think those commission rates would gradually go down. Okay. So um, you know what 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 are some of the mistakes that you've made over the course of the three years that you built the brand, um, and you know what are some of the things that you would do differently if you had to start over? 
I never do mistakes, Megla. You know that. Right? <laughs> You're the perfect seller. Oh, <laughs> uh, looking back at that, I would say I, I might have been a little bit too cautious in the beginning, not believing in that that product would actually sell. So I would go in and buy too little inventory and run out of stock over and over again. Like, how do you do that, right? So, and that affects uh, most of all your ranking on Amazon. Your, your product listing disappears and when you're out of stock. Nobody can buy it. Nobody can see it. Your ranking goes down. Amazon maybe penalizes you if it happens repeatedly. So I would say if you think, if you believe in it, and you should believe in yourself and what you are doing, go for it. And, uh, and another mistake I did was I didn't expand quickly enough with more products um, and um, higher resources to do the job for you, like assistance for sourcing, giving the task not only to look for a specific product, but to look at various products within a category and let them come up with suggestions. I, w I had several products that actually I didn't think of myself, but that my sourcing assistant kind of laid in front of me and then I saw the potential in it. Okay. I guess even for you know, selling the business, SOPs are really important. You wanna make sure that you have SOPs in place for various tasks and if you're outsourcing uh, certain tasks to VAs then you want to make sure that uh, there are detailed SOPs. I was actually talking to this company called Alpha Rock. Um, yes. They're based in the Philippines. So they are uh, buying a lot of Amazon businesses nowadays, right? Um, uh, and full disclosure here, I may be investing a little bit in that company as well. So <laughs> I, I know um, Mark. Um, oh yeah. Okay. I spoke to Alex. At, at Alpha Rock. So yeah, it's very interesting what they're doing in the, they've got this setup where they are managing all of the uh, Amazon accounts that they are buying, right? So they're managing everything in-house. They've got their team of, um, um, you know, digital marketers in the Philippines. They've got their sourcing set up in China. So they're buying all of these businesses and they're managing all of the accounts um, in-house. They're, you know, doing it themselves. So, yeah, this is something that uh, Alex also mentioned when I was talking to him. You know, it's important to have SOPs in place. Um, like, this is one of the things that they consider when they're, um, you know, looking at uh, an account. Um, okay, so any other mistakes that you made? Any other advice for sellers trying to build a brand? Yeah, I, I think an important thing is that if you live abroad, if you don't live in China or nearby, Take the trip, go and see the factories, see who they are, establish a relationship, visit the, the fairs, shop around, go to Yiwu, go to the Guangzhou Wholesale Market. I had loads of uh, products uh, that I didn't know existed or that I didn't see that I should fit into my product range up until I actually went up to Yiwu. I went to Guangzhou Wholesale Market and it was very easy. It made it everything quicker you could um, buy without moqs you didn't have to wait for long lead times and uh, yeah I definitely make the trip come over to to asia visit the trade shows in in october and in april it's well worth the money to to make the trip yeah very interesting so uh, we had tim jordan over in singapore 
um, last month, I think, and he did a workshop on product selection for sellers here in Singapore. And um, he, he also talked about sourcing from EWU and there was a lot of interest among sellers here to do a trip to EWU. So do you want to share, uh, you know, some of your experiences sourcing from EWU and um, what kind of products did you really, um, you know, source from EWU and um, how was your experience with things like price and quality compared to, you know, say sourcing from Canton Fair? First of all, Yibu is very focused on the domestic market. So you can't go around there thinking you can speak English to people like you can in most cases in, on the Canton Fair. So bring along a sourcing agent that speaks for you. And prepare to walk a lot. It's huge. It's a permanent exhibition. It's the whole city is a big exhibition. So uh, it's not a day trip. It's not a two-day trip. It's a week trip if you want to do it properly. Know what you are looking for because each building, which is huge, is focused on one product or one category. Um, if Whether you're looking for sporting goods, then there's a whole building, four stories with booths or stalls with sporting goods. Or if you want to look at uh, household products, that's another building. So it takes a lot of time. Uh, the good thing is that uh, those permanent stalls have these products um, displayed into the in the shop. They are often dusty, dirty. It, it doesn't look very appealing. So you have to look through the dust and see what can you do with this. And when I was expanding my product range in bar accessories, kitchen accessories, most of the products been around for quite a while. So you could basically take a few off-the-shelf products, have them newly produced at the very good price and no MOQs, and you would kind of combine them together, make bundles of it, make an offer that stands out from the competition on Amazon at the very low price. I would have, of course, branded packaging print, produced and printed elsewhere and, and shipped and then packaged. So the products were not just in a, in a poly bag. They were actually, after production, delivered, 100% QC checked, bundled into the packaging, insert cards and etc., and then shipped by boat to the U.S. So um, I think it's important to kind of be open-minded and not just look at the dusty product in the shop and thinking what is this i don't want to have it see through it and look at the potential and then guide them to make it the way you want it to be right and i found that uh, there were a lot of uh, <clears throat> manufacturers over there as well i mean a lot of the shops there are just wholesalers but um, you know there are a lot of factories that have outlets in ibu as well so, um, yeah, I think one of the advantages is that if you, you can source smaller quantities, right? I think that's a big advantage of EWU. If they have ready stock available of a product and you want to just test a product category, that's easy to do. You can maybe just buy like 20, 50 pieces off a product that they have in stock, send it to Amazon, uh, run some PBC and just kind of see what kind of traction you get, what kind of views and click through, uh, you know, conversions you get for those products. And then if it looks good, you can 
uh, contact the manufacturer and then maybe do some customization of the product and, and do a full-blown launch. I think that was one strategy that, uh, you know, Tim Jordan also shared when he was here. Um, I think another thing to keep in mind is, um, you know, diversification of your sourcing. So China is, of course, the main production hub for most product categories, but there are other countries to explore as well. For example, India or Vietnam, uh, those are alternative hubs. Um, you know, especially India is, is competitive in certain product categories, such as home decor or uh, wooden products, metal handicrafts, leather. So, yeah, don't, you know, China is, of course, the main hub, but there are other countries to explore as well, especially considering the tariffs and the trade war going on between the U.S. and, and China. I think it's a good idea to diversify your sourcing as well, just as you diversify your marketplaces or your product range. I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, Peter, what plans do you have for the next twelve months? Are you, you know, building another brand <laughs> to sell in the next uh, couple of years? Yeah, one thing I learned that after after selling, what I should have done was to have something up and running and started before I sold it. Uh, that's for sure. It's much harder to start from scratch than one would think, even with the experience that I'm supposed to have. But eventually, now after a few months. Um, I have been focusing on consulting. I have been helping other brands, uh, small and medium companies, to establish their Amazon presence. And I do uh, manage their accounts. Uh, that way, I have kind of stayed in the game. And I know, um, I know what's, what's happening on Amazon. It's an ever-changing environment. And so you need to be in the game to kind of follow it. And now I'm starting my own, uh, a new brand myself. Uh, so the next 12 months, I'm hoping to um, put my, my experience and expertise into practice in, on my own products and also um, apply that for my clients. Okay. So what specific services do you offer Amazon sellers? I mean, you said account management. So what exactly does that include? Yeah, apart from account management, which is basically run their daily operations and monitoring the, the performance and customer management, customer review management, taking care of uh, everything around that, also keeping track on inventory levels, keeping track on the advertising cost, uh, optimizing advertising, um, suggest replenishment orders, etc., um, I've learned that as a seller, there's a lot of things that you need to have to help, have help with, and to find resources. So I'm trying to look at it from where I was before, what I needed. I needed good photography service. I needed good video services. Uh, I needed help with translations from English to German, from English to French, from English to Spanish, etc. So I do now offer, um, out of Hong Kong, these kind of, these kind of services. So if somebody wants to have very high quality images or video services that are optimized from Amazon from the very beginning, uh, infographics, uh, etc. Then uh, I do that uh, with my guys here in Hong Kong. Okay, cool. Do you also help with sourcing products? Yes, I do that. It's not my speciality, uh, but with, I do have a partner in Hong in, in Shenzhen with the branch in Guangzhou, which do does this for me. Uh, so I don't do it myself, but I use a partner to do it. So 
with that comes also the QC and logistics services. So if somebody has a product idea and needs help to find it, they can come to me and I'll, I'll guide them. So Peter, that was incredible. Thank you so much for all of the information. And you have a special offer for our listeners. Do you want to tell them what it is? Of course, Megla, to, to your listeners, I'm happy to help out as much as I can. So if anybody wants to jump on a free 20 to 30 minute coaching call or consulting call, they can do so. Uh, please contact me through the website, uh, frostlimited.com. At the bottom of the page, there is a schedule a call uh, function and uh, mention the Asian seller. And um, let's see where I can, where I can Wow, that's incredible. That is so very generous of you. Thank you very much. Um, so all of you listening, you know, do take advantage of this offer. Uh, reach out to Peter and uh, get a free coaching call with him for, you know, 20 to 30 minute call. That is a very, very generous offer for Pete, from Peter. So uh, Peter, thank you so much for your time. It's been, um, you've shared such a lot of great information with our listeners and I'm sure that they will find it very useful. A lot of people in the community here are actually thinking of uh, developing brands to, to sell them and you know, have an exit strategy. So thank you so much for your time and I look forward to seeing you in October, which is next month at the Global Sources Summit in Hong Kong. Me too. Thank you very much for having me, Megla. Thanks. Bye. Bye.